And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today is my good friend, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. This is the little break that we take between the Super Bowl and the Combine, and I do mean little. It is a little short, tiny break that we take between the Super Bowl and the Combine, but this is awesome. It's nice. We got kind of deep breath, and then today I spent this morning, I started watching a prospect, and I was like, we're, we're here. We're here. We're in draft season, free agency season, coaching change season, the carousel, but it's fun. That's what the NFL, it's a year-round sport. This is what they want, and the athletic football show is going to deliver. I already started looking at where we're going to eat in Indy. And I saw the tweet. It made me a little depressed. Not not because I'm not excited about going and yeah. trying a bunch of new restaurants again, but because I haven't put more than like three or four ounces of raw vegetables in my body over the last two weeks, and I'm a little yeah. bit scared about, <laughs> about eating like this did again that soon. Did you notice the last dinner we got? I got a zucchini pasta. I got two salad. vegetables. I didn't even and order anything else. Because I was like, I need greens. I, I just need greens in my body. And I think the night before I had like I made sure to have seconds of the salad that we shared. I was like, I, I need I need greens in my body. I can't I can't continue to do this. My mom made pasta. Uh, I'm I'm staying at my mom's house in Arizona for a couple of days on the back end of the Super Bowl. And she made pasta the first night that I was here. And she was like, Do you want a salad? I was like, Yes. Yes, 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 absolutely. I do want a salad. So that's where we are right now. We were going to do a Super Bowl film review today. Too much shit happened. It's just too many things, too much news. Uh, we don't get the luxury of basking in a second look at the game. I think a lot of the things that we would have talked about are things that other people have talked about. The field conditions, how much slipping there was, yeah. kind of getting into some of the nitty gritty of what the Chiefs did on offense. So sad that we won't have time to do that, but there's a ton of stuff that happened over the last 72 hours or so that we really have to dig into. And let's start with the Colts hiring Shane Steichen, which that was going to be my guess looking right. at their cast of characters that they were sifting through as part of this just crazy coaching search that they were doing. But then there was that little detour that the narrative and the rumors seemed to take during Senior Bowl week or Shrine Bowl week when all the NFL personnel was around. Be like, I don't know. It kind of seems like it's going to be Saturday. And then I got really depressed. And now them landing on this makes me feel a little bit better about the direction of the Indianapolis Colts franchise. I thought it was the dragging the feet to make it sound like they're, we're casting a wide net. It turns out, you know, Saturday is the best guy. And it really was more, yeah, they really liked a Super Bowl court, a Super Bowl team coordinator. And that makes sense. It's the traditional, they have to wait that extra couple of weeks until the Super Bowl's over to kind of get to get going on this. So, and I think I'm they did you. cast a wide net. I think they, they absolutely did. did. And they, I, I think mean, a lot of these teams have like the process. Really interesting. Yeah. That, I mean, them doing like 10 hour Zoom interviews, and it might seem crazy, but. I've always thought that talking to someone for five or six hours about the job 
is not indicative of what the job is going to look like. So the fact that they yeah. put them through situational stuff on the board and the analytics guy was in there. And I mean, you're never going to be able to approximate what the demands of being an NFL head coach are in right. one or two interviews, even if one of those interviews is 12 hours long. But I think you should try. And it does yeah. seem like the Colts tried with how crazy and wide reaching their search was compared to some of the ones that we've seen in the past. Yeah. And I, I like this hire. I, I really yeah. do. Uh, this is a guy that I've, has really grown on me um, from the last year and a half, season and a half, when he took over play calling duties. Apparently, that was a, a secret to some people that he was the play caller and, and the guy that kind of reconfigured this offense. And really, I, I the term that kind of has come to my head, like think about what Steichen did as a play caller and what the Eagles did. It's like he's an Occam's razor of play caller. Like he just find the simplest straight answer, which I think it, it sounds counterintuitive, but I think having zero fat with your offense and being a thoughtful guy and understanding personnel shows strength and shows willing to and willingness to you know just simple stuff. And this is all I can do. I can only I, I, I've talked to him once, and it was at Del Mar Racetrack years and years ago when he was with the with the San Diego Chargers. I met him once, a handshake. We've made one joke about Philip Rivers, and he was like, oh, he's awesome. And that's it. That's all I know of the guy. So I have to extrapolate a lot from what I see as a play caller and play designer. And seeing this guy problem solve throughout the game, seeing him understand the strengths of the offense, understand doing stuff like repeating play calls that a lot of coordinators are terrified to do. I know that sounds silly, but I don't know. I, I like that. Those are signs that this guy kind of gets it. And that's as much as I can, that's as much insight I can give as a head coaching because as a head coach, because that's such a different animal. But those are all good signs of someone that understands kind of the beast that is the NFL. I think the few different things that jump out to me, I've talked to him more than one time at a racetrack, but I, you know, not, not that many more times uh, coming into the 21 season and saying really consciously, we should go outside of what our backgrounds are, the, their backgrounds being him and Sirianni. Let's go watch Baltimore. Let's go see what they do well. Let's go seek out some ideas from the college ranks. Let's make some phone calls. That initial way to build who, what their offense was that season, I think, really jumps out to me. And then two other things, even from his press conference, that I think were, are really worth looking at. Do you see he thanked every single member awesome. of the Eagles offense? And that may seem like kind of a gimmicky, forward-facing thing. That idea of, I serve the players that is my job as a coach not every coach thinks that nope. like and even in private i nope. not every coach is gonna and you get a sense of which guys do and which guys don't and i Correct. think that his approach of i'm gonna make this easier on our guys we're gonna do what they do well and we're gonna shape it through them we've talked about this the proof is in the pudding it's there you watch yep. them play that's what the offense is so even yep. that sentiment combined with what the offense actually looks like in practice, I think is very good. And then how emotional he was during that press conference. And there was a clip that circulated, I think it was last week of him in a team meeting and him getting really animated in the team meeting. And it's always funny to me when you see how some of these coaches are when they're forward facing the media. And then you see what they are kind of behind closed doors. Some guys are the same. Some yeah. guys, the personality that you see, out in public is the same personality that you're going to see in conversation. Shane Steichen, I don't think is that when you, when you in conversation, I've talked about this. I talked about with Connor or when he was on, he's very excitable and yeah. he kind of reminds me of Philip rivers 
when you'll be yeah. having a conversation with them about something or talking about an idea and they will at an accelerated pace get more and more excited as they get more and more excited about the idea Can't so relate. yeah right it's it's definitely <laughs> not how we are at all can't relate <laughs> so that energy I think translates to being in the front of the room and trying to have that energy distilled down to the entire building. So from an X's and O's standpoint, interpersonal standpoint, and just being that presence at the front of everything and at the top of an organization, I think he checks a lot of boxes. You know, I'm really excited to see what he will do with this opportunity and what they'll do at quarterback, how they'll shape the offense. And that's one of the most fun things about this is that with so many of these guys who come from one specific tree or one specific style of offense, you think, oh, how will these players fit into these boxes that this coach will create yeah. for them? And with them, it's like, I don't know what it's going to look like. <laughs> I, right. I just don't know what they're going to be. And I think that's a really good thing. That is. I, I liked what you said, he, talking about the players and everything. And that's a lot of the best coaches I've ever been around have all usually kind of in some way, shape or form say this, especially in the NFL. Oh, I've been blessed to coach this guy. This yeah. guy, I was lucky enough to coach this guy and understand that, yeah, sometimes, you know, you really did help maybe with this player or, or have like a cool design or anything, but understanding that you're just giving these guys tools for their toolbox to get answers to. The, these NFL players, a lot of them made it without your ass. <laughs> they got to this level without you. You're not God's gift to to the NFL or to football concepts and football coaching. And I think it's just that balance and that humility of going, yeah, I, I might have streamlined this, but they make the plays. I got to thank them for getting me to this point. So I, I, I think that's a great point to bring that up, that understand the humility that the players play and then the coaches coach. Players play, though. They, they're the ones going to make those plays and make, catching those touchdowns and throwing and running those touchdowns and blocking. And I think just one little thing that I, I like, it's funny you said about the excitability because my one conversation with him at Del Mar that revolved around Philip Rivers, that's, he got so excited. And he even said, like, that – Hey, I go, that guy, I remember him saying, this is vivid, vivid to me, that he said, he makes my ass look smart. Yeah. And boom, right right there. And it's understanding that Philip Rivers is freaking Philip Rivers. I'm just a quarterback coach. I'm just, you know, uh, yeah, this guy's great. And the the little play, we talked about it. I just tweeted the clip of it, actually, of how well the Chiefs played against this formate or against this play was that crossing route on third and long. And what something that stood out to me that the Eagles did this all, all throughout the year. What it is is what they have Kenneth Gainwell on third and long get in short motion, and have them run a crossing route. What I thought was pretty cool about it, it's the same play, same concept. Everyone's doing the same stuff. All the guys where they're aligned and empty, sometimes they're stacked. Sometimes there's a shift out to it. He window dresses a basic concept. And I know that sounds stupid. Not every coach does that. They just line up and do it. They just go, oh, that's our money play. We'll just do it again. And he just wants a little sprinkling. That means it shows some like thoughtfulness into repeating a play call. I know these are stupid, but again, I have to extrapolate some of these things. And I think those are all good signs. And I actually like that the Colts didn't do the whole opposite thing where it's like, okay, we had an offensive guy. Now we have to go defensive, you know, yada, yada, yada. yada. Some, you see a lot of staffs and a lot of teams do that. They literally staff, hired an offensive staffs. coordinator from the same team. Same team. They went another Eagles OC. I know. I, I think the only team I could think of doing that was the uh, Raiders went Broncos DC, Broncos DC, going from Dennis Allen to Jack Del Rio. So like this is this is like the only kind of comparison I could have for that. But I, I kind of like that the team was like willing to just go. No, we'll just take the smartest mind, the guy that we like the most in this interview room. And yeah, I, I really liked it. I, I really think he's. I, I'm optimistic about what he can do. Some questions about what other things are going to look like there. Gus Bradley is going to be the defensive coordinator, seems like. Okay. 
don't mind that at all. Guy who's done nope. this for a very long been time, really solid. So you have a guy who's been a head coach. He's fielded the 14th best defense in the league seemingly every single year for the last like seven years. And there's value Colts in that. defense was good last year. Yes. Was, we they keep were good. Talking about, they were good. good. And think about yeah. how much better the Raiders were when he was there. I know they weren't great, but their defensive personnel wasn't great. Much I think he is a very good stop the bleeding option. And sometimes that, especially when you're a first year head coach and you kind of want to contract out that, that side of the ball, at least initially, I, I can understand landing on that as a solution. And he has really good relationships with players, just personality-wise, all of those different things. I think that there's value in that. Offensive staff, kind of a mystery at this point. I don't think we've really seen any names reported. I asked a couple people today, but uh, no real definitive answers about what that's going to look like, where he'll pull from. Uh, really interested in that. You know, he was in with the Chargers, and then he was with the Eagles. And is it going to be some of those Eagles guys? Does Kevin Petulo go over there? Does Brian Johnson go with him? They have opportunities elsewhere. So that is a question. But obviously, the biggest question is who the hell is going to play quarterback for this team? The owner essentially openly came out during the press conference and said that they were going to draft one. I think we all kind of know this, though. Like, yeah. It. They are. I can't even. If I were in that. If I were in Chris Ballard's shoes. I would want to get off of the merry-go-round I was on so, so bad. So bad. I think he's getting yanked off it anyways, even it, if he wanted to be on yes. it still. <laughs> and, and, at a certain point, you got to make a decision. You got to pull the trigger on one of these guys, and your future is going to be tied to them. And I think when you have the fourth overall pick in a draft that has, what, four top half four. of the first-round quarterbacks, yeah. it's probably the year to go get one. So yeah. I assume that will happen. And now you have a head coach who has been a quarterback coach, who has been an offensive coordinator, and who has had success with three very, very different types of quarterbacks. He's got old, late career Phillip Rivers, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts, and had a lot of success with all three of those guys. That's encouraging to me. It is. Like you said, wildly different skill sets, wildly different offenses even. I mean, <laughs> watching what Rivers throws and what Herbert can throw compared to what Hurts can do, I mean, especially as a runner. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I love – I think as a Bears fan, you guys should be ecstatic when, uh, with, when the Colts owner is coming out and saying, saying yeah, you're that Alabama kid's pretty good, you know, boom, boom, boom. And it's just kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, keep talking. Can we get – can we get someone else to chime in? Anybody else like that? Like any of these guys as well? I think that whatever quarterback, it's the problem is if you talk up all of them, then the number one pick almost gets devalued because you can wait a little bit to get one of those guys. But here's what I'll say. There's only one good quarterback in this draft. That is a generational talent. That's worth trading away. Every single draft pick you have for, I don't know which quarterback it is, but every team thinking about trading up to number one, it's the quarterback you love. It's that, that guy that, right That's there. the guy. That's, that's who we're, we're talking for. about. Yep. That's who we're talking that's about him. right now. That's him. That's exactly I don't want to spoil it. There's so much time until the draft. I don't yeah. want to give away that take. Nope. But there's still only... have a quarterback breakdown show to do. You know, that's a right. In a month. months away. So, but yeah. if you're thinking about making the trade now, there is only yeah. one quarterback, and you should give away multiple future firsts. Every single pick you have is worth going up for that guy. That's all I'll say. But make sure, but make sure the Bears stay in the top six. You know that that that's exactly where you want to go. <laughs> I think <laughs> this it could work was... out pretty perfect. I, I've just been already just been like oh, shoveling sure. dra- mock drafts into my mouth because that's what I'm going to do over the next however long. And there was one I looked at yesterday on NFL.com. I think it was Chad Reuter. The Bears traded down from one to two and then from two to four. That That's it. 
that that that's that is it that's it right there that's where i'm sitting absolutely with two to four one to two two to four that's it we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about that though i I, that's all anything else you want to say about second before we move on nope that's what i got occam's razor that's that's my new kind of like saying with him as far as far as i want to sum him up so the eagles lose their other coordinator as of yesterday the cardinals hire jonathan gannon to be their head coach kind of seemed like it happened fast you know, in hindsight, there's been all that. Oh, they've, he was one of the front runners from the beginning. And that's not surprising when you look at how the latter stages of the search were going. The fact that it was just down to Mike Kafka and Luana Rumo, and everyone was just like, I guess it's one of these two guys. Right. So they were, they were clearly waiting for Gannon to become available. And, you know, based on what we've heard, and I asked somebody today, I think that the driving forces behind this decision were him and Monty Austinfort like each other a lot. They know each other. They got to know each other over the last year. I think as both of them kind of understood, we might be in line to get one of these opportunities. You start talking to guys who maybe you'll be a fit with, and I think that's what happened with Austin Fort and with Jonathan Gannon. And two, it's a leadership thing. It's a it's a presence yeah. thing. It's a front of the room thing. You know, his defense was obviously very good this year, but I'm sure a lot of people are going to look at what happened in the Super Bowl and say, you want that guy to be your head coach, the guy that just got sliced and diced by Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes? It's about more than one game, and it's about more than just X's and O's on defense. So what do you think about this? I think it's a good – I think he's going to be better with a step up, uh, him being Gannon, with a step up as far as more that CEO type. That's what it seemed like his defenses were. It's very – I know it was very cookie cutter. It wasn't very – always creative as what he did as a defense coordinator, but to me it always made sense. They had a lot of talented players. Why overdo it? (laughs) Why overthink these things? And yeah, but I think – from all I've heard about him as a personality type and how I think he's a very thoughtful guy. I think also that it's again, it's a different, this is where a different type of personality makes sense to me. You went for the gimmick offensive coach to maybe a sound defensive coach that maybe has a better big picture feel for everything, which is what you need as a, as a head coach. I think he'll be better as a CEO type. I think this is what this franchise need needs. I think some people are saying, Oh, he's boring as far as the scheme wise. And you see the opening clips and everything. Boring isn't a bad thing. I, I think that's better. Eat your vegetables. And I think that's what he'll make them do. I think they, they overall have a ton of work to do as a franchise. I, as far as talent, this team has a lot. So I think it's more on the GM, Osin Ford, to start <laughs> accumulating and figuring out ways. They have a top five pick. That also helps too. You know, But they need to. They need talent. This team needs talent more than anything. I, I think that's the bottom line, what they have to get to. And I also think this guy is connected enough. He's been a, a respected coach enough that he can f- maybe get some interesting hires as, on his offensive side as well um, and maybe get to that point as well. It sounds like Drew Petzing, who is the Browns quarterback's coach currently, mm-hmm. is going to end up as his offensive coordinator. It, it, Sound. It, <laughs> if, you're, if you're a Cardinals fan and you're curious – Drew Petzing was on this show last in the summer of 2021. We, we we chatted with him when we went to Brown's training camp. At that point, he was the tight ends coach. So he moved to be the quarterback's coach this year. So Drew was Stefanski's kind of right-hand guy yeah. since he got there. They were together in Minnesota. So a lot of offensive staffs, you kind of have that guy where it's the – I come in. Sounded what, bored. what do you what do you think about this? Yes. And I think that Drew served as that for a Browns offense that I think we can all agree had a lot of interesting ideas since they got there and, and what that thing ended up looking like. So Gannon was in Minnesota with both of those guys before he went to Indianapolis, before he was the cornerback's back coach for the Colts. Jonathan Gannon was on that 
Viking staff as an assistant DBs coach, I believe, for a little while. So that's how all of that gets connected. So I think that you'll see an offense that shares a lot of DNA with what the Vikings were under Stefanski when he was there and then what the Browns look like now. So run game, under center play action, all that kind of stuff is the bones of what they want to be on that side of the ball. I think it's interesting. I think that in in conversation with Drew and what I've heard about him, he got uh, interviewed to be the Raiders offensive coordinator last year. So I think this was eventually coming for him as a young coach in the league, and this looks like it'll be the opportunity. You always want to see the tight end to quarterback coach pipeline because tight end coaches – um, at first was the, kind of one of the position coaches. You kind of could hide a guy that's somebody's brother, somebody's cousin, you know, brother-in-law, you know, give him the job and they, you know, he, he won't mess it up. But tight end has become such a complicated position. You have to know run game. You have to know pass game. You have to know protections. You have to know run, run blocking routes, all those things, maybe even some special teams as well. So when those guys get bumped up to quarterback coach, it's like, okay, this guy has some ideas or this guy is thinking that, the, whoever the play caller decision maker is likes that. So that could be an interesting hire to me. I think that's what this team's going for. Obviously, when Osafor uh, got the GM job, you can make him say, what do you say? He's like, he's talking about team rather than talent or something of that sort. He, he's, I, I, I'm getting the messaging. Like, I, I, it's kind of a bluntness of what they're doing. I understand, though. I really do. I think this team was so gimmicky, somehow necessity, but also especially on offense, that they are kind of just like, okay, let's get back to the basics. We have a talented quarterback. Let's kind of build up a good environment around him that maybe we take away some of those question marks where there was unsoundness. Let's see how he does in a better environment uh, that's more kind of professional. <laughs> and I'm not trying to like just knock everything they did. I mean, just but look at what those Cardinals offenses were. I just think overall that's what they're doing. They're, they're eating their vegetables like we need to do. They're eating their Wheaties. Like they're trying to just rebuild this from ground up, I think, as a whole team. And luckily, I think they really do have a uh, a very talented quarterback, even if he is coming off the injury, that you can build around. They can maybe do good things maybe a year or two down the road, though. I was about to do something spicy, but then I, I opened his spot track page, and it seems a little unrealistic. But if you're a team in the spot that the Cardinals were in, would you think about what a market might look like for Kyle Murray? You pick up every call, yeah. Every, but, I, I think that. But but then I looked at the what his contract looks like, and it's not, uh, it's not feasible, right? It's kind of a mess. Uh, he has a thirty-seven million dollar base salary in twenty twenty-four. Oh yeah, and the the rolling guarantees are such that I think it makes it a little bit difficult. He has roster bonuses every year starting in twenty twenty-five that guarantee the fifth league day of the previous season. Their injury guaranteed at signing. Like there, there are a lot of levers in this thing that I think would make a tr- team that was trading for that deal a little bit weary. It's like of it. a juggling chainsaw of a contract. Well, that's my what, thought was if, kind of how much of it was signing bonus, how much of it if the Cardinals already paid, would you be willing yeah. to take on the base salaries if you were a team that was searching for an answer at quarterback? And some of those aren't bad. I mean, it's 37 and 2024, 20, but then 18, 22, 19 and a half. But you're, there's huge roster bonuses in most of those seasons, yeah. plus option bonuses. So there there is a lot of entanglements there if you're yes. a, a team trading for that deal. It's, so I would have to assume that Kyle Murray will be the Cardinals quarterback moving forward. Yeah, there's a lot of multi-year huge dead cap hits if you yes. try to trade them or do yes. it. There's yeah, it's not just like oh one year you got to swallow the you know swallow the big pill and we're okay. No, it's like it's like multi. You have to, it's sustained medicine if you were to do this. So I, I think that's why he's going to be still in Phoenix for for a good amount of time or Glendale, Arizona, in the middle of nowhere for a good amount of time. Well, the the question and the, the only reason I asked that is just because they are starting from scratch to such a degree that's like all right, well. 
how much you yeah. really want to blow it up. If you're going to trade DeAndre Hopkins, if you're going to have this kind of very strange team that you're looking at, is it worth even looking at what you could get for him as a way to really blow it up? And the answer is probably not. I think if they traded yeah. him, they trade him post June one this year. If they trade him post June one this year, it's only thirteen million dollars in dead money this year. It's forty six million dollars in dead money. Next exactly. Year. So it's, that, it's that, the, that's that's a multi year dead cap. That, yeah. That's a tough one. That is yeah. a tough one. All right. Yeah. Anything else on Jonathan Gannon and the Cardinals here? Nope, I like it. I I, I really do. I, I think this is soundness. It, it maybe it's not the most exciting things that Cardinals fans want to hear or anything like that. And they watch that Super Bowl if that's their only exposure to him. But I do think he does a lot of good things and understands football. Eagles are in the market for new coordinators on both sides of the ball here. So always we'll fun. S- yeah, I mean you'd hope that some of the guys on their staffs on offense and defense have been getting looks for. Defensive yeah. coordinator jobs, offensive coordinator yeah. jobs. Brian Johnson, their quarterbacks That's coach, yeah. was is getting interviewed, I believe, in uh, Carolina, multiple other places for their offensive coordinator job. Still, he's still in the in the running for the Carolina job. Denard Wilson, their DBs coach, was a candidate for the Browns defensive coordinator job in this cycle. So it seems like they have potential in-house candidates on both sides of the ball. And if you have that, it's always nice to roll with some continuity when you've had some success. I think, yeah, especially as the maybe play caller, decision maker, final say kind of guy. But And then you bring in the fresh talent. So like if Brian Johnson gets promoted to OC, then maybe someone from the outside can be the quarterback coach. And that's where you get your ideas from. Because that's what Brian Johnson kind of brought in as quarterback coach. You know, he had some... Came from college. some dance. Yeah, he had some Dan Mullen experience, you know, so he he had some wide variety of background in college. So that kind of helped sprinkle in some ideas. So maybe then when you bring in the quarterback coach, maybe even if it's a vet type of guy or if you do have an exciting guy, someone else, you move around a tight end coach, whatever. You know, I haven't looked at the full staff, but something like that where they can kind of reconfigure. But he seems like the simplest answer to me. He's been an OC before and him and Sirianni can figure out how they do the play calling. They still have the line coach, too. That really helps <laughs> having that continuity. Uh, but yeah, I think I was offensively, I think they have a nice a nice kind of assortment of answers that they can find. And then Kevin Petula, who's their passing game coordinator, has been for the last two yes. years. Uh, another guy potentially in-house if they That's just wanted right. to promote from within and what the staff might end up looking like. So right. hopefully, you know, awesome. this, is the, this is the challenge. When you're really yeah. good, the brain drain comes. Can you endure it? Can you sustain success through it? Some teams are able to do it. Some teams aren't. And we're about to see what happens with the Eagles. It helps when you have really good players. Yes. I also, uh, the Eagles have, and I just realized this this couple of weeks ago, their linebacker coaches. I went to high school. He went to the same high school as me in Minnesota, Eddie Dinah. His name's Nick Rollis. And I actually know his brothers very well. He was a little younger than us, but I played with both of his brothers in high school. <laughs> and one of his brothers, the one that was a year below me, Mike Rollis, is a wrestler in WWE right now. He's Riddick Moss. Wow. So it's kind of... But I, I was like, this I looked all, at the staff. All coming up, Nate here. This this entire. I looked at the segment. staff, but you might see Nick Ross's name thrown out there. You know, you might see him get. He's their linebackers coach right now. But that, when I saw his name, I was like, it's like Nick, little Nick. <laughs> there he is. He's not. He's not little Nick. He was a good player too. But it's kind of funny now seeing him and him growing. But he's he's another name to look out for uh, as far as maybe um, Eagles or elsewhere maybe falling Gannon to Arizona. We're getting old as shit. That's the dude. Of that story. Me. All right. One Last other- time I saw him play, he was at that. You know when they do the little league against the mascots, like yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. That was the last time I really remember him. Was him doing it like seventh or eighth grade, <laughs> and he 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 stopped running. This he was a badass player. He really was at linebacker and stuff. He stopped running into the end zone. He was the running back. 
to truck one of the mascots and then he went into the end zone to score and it was awesome it's burned in my brain so yeah shout out to nick rawls usually you see the mascots doing out the punishment in those oh yeah situations. which is so one of my favorite uh, which I, is I, one of my favorite things to watch yeah, I that, very that's much do too. very much like your campy aesthetic as mascots beating the shit out of little kids as a wrestling fan <laughs> <laughs> it kind of sums up now. It's a lot of my interests right there. It's a, the cartoon with some little football. Yeah, a little uh, some body slams thrown in there. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So, Jonathan Gannon getting the Cardinals job means that Luana Rumo does not get the Cardinals job. It means that the Bengals will keep their entire st- staff again because Dan Pitcher, the quarterback's coach, <laughs> I believe yeah. took himself out of the running to be the offensive coordinator for the Bucks. So a team that was right there with any team in the league, top to bottom, yeah. personnel wise, coaching wise. I mean, they are right there as the class of the NFL right now, and they will come back fully intact with, I believe, like the third or fourth most salary cap space of any team in the NFL wow. this offseason. So the Bengals are in a pretty good spot. Much. You got yeah. like one and a half more years at cheap Joe Burrow. Yep. <laughs> you got to yes. do everything you can yes. with this window and keeping offensive and defensive coaching staff continuity on both sides of the ball is pretty helpful. Staying in the division, I think my favorite bit of coaching news that has come out over the last couple of days, because it is fun as shit, is Todd Mocken going to the Ravens as their offensive coordinator. Hell yeah. Uh, good to see Monk back. Back in the league, Todd Mocken. The league's better off with having Todd Munkin in the league. <laughs> I 100% agree with you on that. I'm it a big, is. big fan of everything Todd Munkin. Uh, yeah, he he hit my, my dad worked with uh, Munkin in Jacksonville, so I know Munk a little bit. But man, he that what he, his run at Georgia was awesome. And if that's on, your only exposure to Todd Munkin, there's a lot more to him than that. Uh, offense coordinator with the Bucks, uh, also the Oklahoma State days. That this is a guy that's kind of 
done every type of system, pro style, not pro style. He's a big personality as well. He's one, uh, you know, he can really motivate you. And I think he's, he's really, I, I like it because there is a lot of soundness to his stuff, especially at Georgia where, oh, sorry, what, am I getting ahead of myself? How much that translates to you? Cause that, that's my question is how much of the Georgia stuff, if I were trying to figure, if I were Ravens fan, yeah. And I were, was trying to figure out what is Todd Monken as an NFL offensive coordinator with Lamar Jackson and our offensive personnel? Where would you start? Would you look at Georgia first? Georgia. I'd look at Georgia. Uh, Georgia and then the Buck stuff. The Georgia stuff, actually, because it is a little more pro style. And what I mean by that, they run a little bit of everything. Um, straight dropbacks as well, which is always what translates the best. Instead of just spamming kind of RPOs over and over. And also, he understands the QB run game. You know, Stetson Bennett ran for 10 touchdowns this year. And... Uh, Lamar I was Jackson watching a 2018 a- Bucks game. I was watching the season opener against the Saints earlier today. Oh Ryan, God, Fitzpatrick, that- Ryan Fitzpatrick scored a touchdown on a, <laughs> a zone read play in the red zone. Zone read, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, that game. <laughs> That game is like a very memorable game. That's burning in everyone's braids. Uh, but yeah, all the designed runs that he had with Stetson Bennett there, uh, he and not just like simple zone read stuff, like you're saying, the empty QB draw RPOs that we see Hertz running. You see Josh Allen running. He's got that in his bag too. It's not foreign to him. Um, this past year, he really leaned into 12 personnel, a lot of tight ends because Georgia had the most loaded tight end room in college football history, maybe since the early 2000 Miami days. Uh, University of Miami, not the Dolphins. Uh, but they're loaded at tight end, so they used a lot of tight ends. Last year, he had James Cook as one of his rotational backs. And every time he saw it in, he was designing running back, you know, designer running back routes. Watch him against Michigan, watch him in the college football playoff. So he deva- dialed up advantage plays for him. He understands his personnel. He kind of he has background on everything, so he can kind of get to everything. And I think the Georgia stuff was so most sound i've seen it there's nothing gimmicky about it yeah they did some gadget plays but i think everything he did makes a lot of sense so i think his game his his game his play calling his play design translates really well to the nfl and also what he can lean into for the quarterback run stuff which you need to have with lamar it's funny because he in my mind should be like a sought after guy for this job like him them getting him i think is impressive like i think that he's a very fun guy to land on he's making a lot of money as georgia's offensive coordinator and he hasn't really been a play caller in the nfl for that long i mean i think the only time he was an offensive play caller full-time for an entire season was in 2018 i think there was maybe a a stretch of the 2017 season where he was where cutter gave it Mm -hmm. to him yep but even though he he's been an offensive coordinator twice he was the browns offense coordinator in 2019 he did not call plays and I remember talking to him about it back then. And I was like, well, why why would you go to a place where you didn't you weren't gonna call plays? And his response was hilarious. He's just like, I was the head coach at Southern Miss. It wasn't fun to be the head coach when you lose. <laughs> like I don't care about being the guy with the title or being the guy yeah. who's in charge of everything if the situation is bad. So right. he's kind of been able to he looked at the Georgia spot, I'm sure, and just said, This is great. Like Kirby yeah. Smart is over there. The defense is going to be great. I can be the offensive play call over here. So he's somebody that I think is really good at this. And when we've seen him do it full time, the 2018 Bucks were awesome to watch. They were fun as hell. They averaged mm-hmm. 10.42 air yards per attempt. They let it fly, in baby. 2018. They just you know let who, it. You know who rip. loves to launch it too? Lamar, Lamar. Jackson. And I, that's <laughs> yes. I want to see that. I want to oh, see yeah. them. I mean, and I was going to say spread it out, but that they don't but, necessarily do that. Even when you go no. back and you watch those Bucks teams, not as much play action as you might think. They were actually no, just, Jameis and Fitz down near the bottom of the league in play action, but that's because they were a shotgun-based passing team. Yes, so 
just getting in shotgun and just having some downfield passing concepts and really letting that thing grip and rip it. I'm excited to see what they do there. I, if you're going to run this type of offense, you're going to need to make some real investments at your pass catching spots. Yes. Unlike what you've done in the past. You know, the last time we saw him as an offensive coordinator, full-time calling plays in the NFL, his receiving core was Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. That's, That's a little bad. bit different than what the 2021 Ravens were trotting out there. Yeah, and even uh, and this is also something that I, I can kind of be as a as a former Badger is sometimes when you play this or some of these kind of blue chip schools and you go, well, it's easy to coach there. They got overwhelming talent. They just five stars. I would say the, the strength of the Georgia teams have been the defense. You know, as far as talent wise, obviously they had a dozen defensive guys drafted last year, and yes, they had talent on the offense. They also had. He made the most of Stetson Bennett. Yeah. You know, it wasn't no one was knocking down the door for Stetson Bennett. He had to go JUCO and back to Georgia. Um, essentially, he had Brock Bowers, the tight end up next year, who's a freak. Get wait, get ready for him in twenty twenty four, guys. He's so much fun. And Darnell Washington was a nice blocking tight end. Uh, and then last year he had Pickens. You know, George Pickens. You know, he had James Cook, and he had some um, other backs. And I think it's just more of that it's a lot of good talent, but it wasn't like. Man, they have five first rounders on that offense. No wonder they were able to dominate. They had a top ten. Like you watch the Clemson offenses, you're like, well, they had Deshaun Watson and then Trevor Lawrence. No kidding, they're able to do this. And T. Higgins, I think that's where you can see his creativity and you can see his actual scheming come up. And especially this year when they're sometimes they're just lighting guys, lighting teams on fire. He made Stetson Bennett a Heisman Trophy finalist. You know, like that. That's what this guy has done and understands. Again, understands the personnel, understands how to get the most of it, and. It's, it's just great to have a personality. It really is. It, it, he, I think he is it's, a it's, singular personality. He yes. is a he is a one of one of one football one of world one. personality. Is what Todd Monken is. Yes. Which but I am excited the, to the, see him back in the league. The match, the match with Lamar. There's no more hitch routes. There's no more underneath stuff. That was always that's, the frustration. That's what I'm excited about. That, yeah, that, it's that vertical passing game with a strong run game with the quarterback runs with it. That's that's a Lamar offense. Lamar is a deep ball, intermediate throws. And if you watch that little Bucks team with Ryan Fitzpatrick and stuff. They're launching it. It's a bunch of overs. It's posts. It's goes. It's digs. That's what Lamar's good at throwing. And he's willing to hang in the pocket to throw him. So I think I think it's a great match. I, I love this hire. Excuse me. I got the number wrong. It was 10.64 air yards per attempt Jeez. for the 2018 Bucks. They threw the ball 724 times. Which was and they the average over 10 yards. Yes. <laughs> 10 they threw yards. the ball 724 times. That was third in the NFL. It was third in the NFL that season because the two leaders were the Packers and the Steelers, with both of those quarterbacks being in the late career eh, fuck it aspect of the systems they yeah. played in for a decade. So those Bucks teams were very pass happy. If you're looking for a severe departure from what the Baltimore Ravens offense looked like over the last few years, Todd Monken is going to provide you that yes. severe departure. Yeah. Even if he's coming from college and he's had NFL experience, he's modernizing a lot. And I think it's going to be really cool. It's not like they they can't just ask some of the players and the coaches that they retain them. Hey, what else did you guys do in the QB run game? Okay, we did this too. It's like it's not like going away. The people don't just lose that knowledge. So I think in just expanding and modernizing the passing game, I think this is a great fit. All right. Speaking of staffs that we're kind of excited about, what Frank Reich is doing in Carolina right now, dude, is really fun. So it really is. 
Getting Ajiro Evero, who we thought was going to potentially be a head coaching candidate in this cycle to be their defensive coordinator, big win. Jim Caldwell coming in and being an influence in the building and just kind of being huge. a sounding board for Frank and, and all of that, huge. Josh McCown coming in to be the quarterback's coach. He was interviewing for head coaching jobs last year. I know. This is probably a more reasonable place for him to start, but yeah. somebody who's been around for a really long time, playing in a ton of different offenses. Getting Deuce Staley to make a lateral move after they'd clearly been building something exciting in Detroit. He has the exact same job and the exact same titles with the Lions or the Panthers as he did with the Lions. I think potentially a sign that they're just throwing around crazy money for some of these guys. I think so. I think but so. That's what you should do. If you it's are David Tepper and, and you're worth however many billions of dollars, yeah. this is how you can wield that. It's some of these guys, uh, I'm not going to, I don't want to downplay five hundred thousand dollars but it, it's that's a player you know that's a guy you cut in camp <laughs> and why not get it for a coach that can really move the needle for you um keeping the old line coach james campen like that is also dumb. i love that because Huge. that they, look at how good their offensive line was this yes. year having some continuity with those young pieces and just trying to yeah. build on that that was another quiet one where i was like yeah that's really good and and even brought Dom Capers, as a senior defensive assistant. I mean, there's some, like some little, little like moves here. I, I the Caldwell stuff, I love too. I, I really did. Uh, I loved it. it. This reminds me a lot of the the Giants hiring last year and the staff that Dable put together. And I was just like, oh, I like that guy. Oh, that yeah. guy. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, I like that guy. And you see how the Giants kind of over outperformed expe- uh, expectations. And also, this Panthers team. It's got a lot of talent on it. So if you get some really good coaches, and I know they have to figure out the quarterback, but there's a lot of good players on this team. Like they could be a kind of very fun, very fun team this year that wins a good amount of games and honestly competing for the NFC South. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's I'm really liking this staff and I like what the talent on that team is. They just have, of course, figure out the most important position. But I don't know. There's answers there. They've got dudes on defense. And mm-hmm. this was arguably the best defensive coordinator in the league last yep. season. Like, this is going to be really fun. I would have been it excited really about the pieces they had on that side of the ball if defensive coordinator X was there, let alone yep. a guy who did what Ajiro Evero did last season. That's an yeah. awesome and, hire. And the O-line was playing great, especially in the second half of the year. Uh, Ike Aquanu had a great, like, kind of last 10 games where it's like, oh, yeah, there, there it is. Uh, they have DJ Moore. At receiver, uh, I mean, always underappreciated. I think I'm not the only one on NFL Twitter that says that. We all understand how good and talented DJ Moore is. But also, yeah, like you said, they have some real dudes on defense. J.C. Horn, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, along with other guys that stepped up. Uh, uh, Luvo, Luvo, Frankie Luvo? Frankie Luvo. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry. I'm going, hey, guys, I've gone off my brain. That's been rotted from the last week in Arizona. <laughs> so this is pretty good. I'm trying to be fresh here. But uh, no, I don't know. I think this is a, this is a team that's uh, it's going to be pretty fun to watch this year. Sticking in the division, the last real dominoes to fall here, I think, are the OC searches in Tampa. And then in Washington, the Bucks have interviewed a ton of people for ten this guys, job. I think. I think it's 10 guys. Dave Canellis, the Seattle quarterbacks coach, has had multiple interviews. Thomas Brown is having his second interview this week. They interviewed Clint Kubiak. He's going to Houston as the run game coordinator. Uh, so a lot of guys that they are sorting through here. So that we'll see what happens there. You know, that's it's an interesting job. You know, the, the Bucks are in such a strange spot with yeah. where they're picking and the fact that they don't have a quarterback and the rest of the offense has still has a lot of talent on it, though. So what they end up doing at quarterback, I think, is going to be a huge, huge question. Uh, spoiler alert, we will hit that on our quarterback carousel show that we will be doing that'll come out on Monday. 
So please be on the lookout for that. We'll have a lot of off-season quarterback movement chatter that will happen. And then the other job that is still open here is Washington's offensive coordinator. And it seems like that is probably down to Greg Roman, who interviewed last week, I believe, and Eric Bieniemy, who is about to interview for that job. Yeah, the the there's a couple names that are like I would say inspiring, but more inspiring than than others. Um, Thomas Brown, I know people have really liked him, obviously being in the McVay kind of realm for a few years and bouncing our positions. He moved the tight ends coach. Remember what yeah. I just said earlier about being a tight ends coach? And I, have I would to like to see him get that opportunity and and, and see too. what he would do as an offensive coordinator. Based on I would too. I've heard about him. It, I I completely agree, and I think. Uh, when, watching how the Rams running backs when he was a running back coach, how they, good they were in protection. And I know sometimes Shanahan guys can be a little dicey on that. You know, if you don't have a 50 year running back coach coaching your running backs, um, like Shanahan has had for, for time, uh, uh, year after year after year. So I don't know. I think Scotty Montgomery is another name that's interesting. Another running back coach with a running back background. He's been a head coach. Uh, I know he's been, he's called plays before he's kind of has a grab bag, kind of a history, but those, those are kind of two of the names that stood out more to, to me more than others. I know the Bucks interview just about everybody, but, um, Dave Canales, you know, he's had kind of a, what he did with Gino this past year and everything they did in Seahawks. He of course was Russ's uh, quarterback coach for a little bit as well. Um, those kind of names are the ones that really stand out to me as far as for this list, but I would like to see Thomas Brown get one of these because I do think he has gotten a reputation as a good coach, a very good coach and a thoughtful guy um, that even when he was a running back coaches, they don't usually get that kind of talk. You don't get that kind of like, they're just, oh yeah, whatever. They wave him away. But I think he's getting that talk. He's a younger guy. I think that'd be an inspired choice if there were to pick one of these guys. That be enemy conversation with him potentially having to go to Washington. I think even Ian Rapport was talking about it today where, why would he take a lateral move to go to get an offensive coordinator job? Why could he? His contract is up with the Chiefs. He did not renew it, I think, for probably this exact reason, to give him a little bit more flexibility and a little bit more mobility after the season. And it would be to call plays. It would be to call plays yeah. and show that you can be the it's guy huge. doing it. Obviously, there's a double standard there, right? Yeah. Matt Nagy got an offensive, got a head coaching job without being the play caller in Kansas City. Doug Peterson got a play uh, head coaching job without being the offensive play caller in Kansas City. Mike Kafka was the quarterback's coach. He just got to be the play caller with the Giants. He's now a head, uh, head coaching candidate. A lot of guys who have been in that ecosystem in Kansas City, even without calling plays, have gotten the opportunity to be a head coach. Eric Bieniemy has been interviewed 15 times, I believe, for that opportunity, and it has not happened. For what reason? I don't know. But he clearly feels like it might be the best possible path to him getting one of those jobs, getting out from under Andy Reid's shadow, calling his own plays, showing that he can be the driver of a really good offense, even if other guys haven't had to show that in order to get the opportunity. It can be a blessing and a curse when you're with a, another gifted offensive mind and a talented quarterback. Everyone just can chalk it up to that if they don't like you. I think this is one where he can leave no doubt and leave no excuses. Like, no, I know, I know what the hell I'm talking about here. I know him. He was another guy that his background was a running back coach, and I know he was an extremely detailed one. I still remember him coaching up Adrian Peterson about his steps on on, on a zone footwork and going hard on him on Adrian Peterson. And Peterson's like, I, I can't believe this guy's getting after me so much. But this is that that's the type of guy that kind of fortitude he brings. This is what Matt Lafleur. Uh, did he was with McVeigh? He was the OC with the Rams for one year, 2017. He goes to the Titans, lateral move, but he was like, I want to call plays, and then he did that for one year. Boom, gets a Packers head job. So that that can you checking another box, especially if you're 
people are giving you that excuse and when why they're not hiring you and that that's you know there might be other stuff but that like you're leaving no doubt and leaving you're kind of saying no i can check out the box the more you can do i can wear that hat so i understand that like you said the flexibility to do that and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free you see a family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right. Last one here. We have not talked about this. We, I, I, we've talked about it on the show, but you and I have not talked about this. I have not. What do you think of Kellen Moore going to the Chargers? I like it, but I also have some reservations with Kellen really? Moore's offenses. Oh, I thought this would have been full steam ahead for you. What are your reservations? I, I Well, I, I do like that he's a way more diverse run game, uh, but I also and also more creativity as a play caller, there's still some of that staticness and, and that lack of speed can limit with this offense. And what have we talked about with this Chargers personnel? Um, but I also, I think it's more Sean Payton and Joe Lombardi and Kellen Moore and Kellen Moore coming from Linehan. Uh, a lot of Linehan stuff, which I've mentioned before with that offense is with those offenses, it's a traditional NFL offense. So actually, I think a lot of the stuff that he's done translates there's going to be a lot of trip sets. There's going to be a lot of you know simple movements to get or simple motions to get into good stuff into the run game. Use of tight ends. Uh, that's what he was leaning into with the Cowboys. I think the versatility of personnel really helps. I think there's just more creativity, but it's kind of the same breath uh, as what the Chargers have run the last couple of years. So I do think it's a better version of what they run, but I do think that the same qualms I've had with Kellen Moore as far as I would say he's – I think this – again, this is his best year as a play caller, best year as a play designer. Was and still a definitive upgrade. De, yes, it, it is. Definitive upgrade. Don't get me wrong. But if there's one drawback to what he does, some of the stackness and the routes and everything, that lack of team speed can hinder, it's kind of the same questions he can get to with the Chargers or they might have to answer with the Chargers. I just think he has more ways to answer it than Joe Lombardi ever did. So – Better answer, better upgrade for the team. But if there's going to be some, some frustrations, it might be some of the same, which I think is kind of funny. First of all, if they don't add some team speed, I'm going to... Dude, they have to. I, I'm going to riot. I, I don't know what my speed. response will be if, unless if they don't get get somebody that can take the top off of the defense and be somebody that can stretch this thing downfield. 
that has to happen. So hopefully those constraints you know, will fall the away. Packers, a bit. The Packers never draft a receiver under 200 pounds. Like that is what the the Chargers should not draft anyone that rubs above a 4-4 this year. <laughs> <laughs> four four and below. We're just we're looking at 40s, we're looking at weight, and then we're gonna get just one of those in the middle rounds. They they need just somebody to add some breath or some breathing room into this offense. But I do think Kellen Moore's creativity, his use of personnel, he's gonna find better answers than Joe Lombardi ever did. Joe Lombardi is so traditional. I think Kellen Moore is kind of like a noose. He's like a fusion on traditional, you know, like on traditional fare. He's kind of like one of those. He has, he's the Bobby Flay. He has some Southwest spice <laughs> here, traditional fare. That's what Kellen Moore is going to do to it. I, my galaxy brain thing with the Chargers and Kellen Moore is that I'm wondering if some of the staticness is a remnant of Dak's comfort with the offense. I can where see that. Dak has been in it for so long. And Dak played for Linehan. So Dak yeah. is really, even almost as much as Kellen Moore, Dak's control and Dak's yeah. ability to dictate what we're doing because I like this. I want to yeah. do it this way. Now that yeah. Kellen Moore has broken away from that and they can kind of bolt start over a little bit, do, yeah. is it a shock to both of their systems potentially in a good way? Where Kellen Moore yeah. now isn't tied to anything that Scott Linehan ever did because his quarterback isn't comfortable with that stuff because he's never done it. You're starting from right. scratch, truly. So is no, that I, blank I like that. slate actually a good thing for Kellen Moore? I think so. <laughs> I really do. And I, I think I think it's going to be best for everybody. I think him getting out of the Cowboys now, the light. He's been there. He went from player to player's coach, basically. He was injured. And he was basically a quality control coach when he was still a player, like helping out like breakdowns and stuff. Like this is all he knows as a pro coach. So I do think like not having that, yeah, that shadow. And I get what you mean with Dak stuff because a lot of quarterbacks get into this. This is the same thing Aaron Rodgers had to go through with the transition to the floor was no, static. No, yeah. two by two, we're doing this because I want to see everything. If they adjust, I know exactly what their answers are going to be. So like you said, maybe going to a quarterback – I think Justin Herbert does have some stuff that he does prefer and like. We're still going to see stick, by the way. Don't worry. Kellen Moore runs stick and spacing plenty of times, but maybe that's because Dak liked it. You know, you, you don't know what the quarterback prefers, and the quarterback goes, no, I'm never running that. So I, I agree. I think it's a good, fresh start. I, I, I want to want to say, I like the hire. I really do. I'm just saying that some of the frustrations might be the same that we had before, but I do think Kellen will have better answers for it. All right, before we get out of here, uh, people have been asking us to review the meals that we had in Phoenix during Super Bowl week. I'm okay. more than happy to do that. So I don't want to step on it too much. We're actually going to have, I believe, some content coming out this week around the taco stops that I did with a couple members of our video team. We went to three different taco places in the Phoenix area. We went to Taco Boys, which is a little bit north of downtown. We went to Taco Suicho, which is a little bit north of downtown and a little bit east. So in not in within yeah. spitting distance of downtown Phoenix. And then we also went to uh, Tacos Chiwas, uh, which is still not a very long drive from downtown Phoenix. Uh, enjoyed all of them. Different, you know, different offerings, different sorts of feel to each place, uh, different highlights. But those are the three taco places we went to. Please, if you want to, when the video comes out, please check it out for a more detailed review. But then the restaurants that I ate at, we went to Barrio Cafe, which was fantastic. Went with Beller, went with Mike Sando, uh, and uh, Alex Hample, our video guy, came. Mm -hmm. It was hilarious. Uh, we sat down. They all ordered like normal people order. And then I ordered two <laughs> entrees. 
And Sando is horrified. Like the idea that I would just on purpose right at the beginning of the meal be like, yeah, I'll have these two separate entrees. He was like, would you just order two entrees? Like, yeah, of course. I want to try them both. Why wouldn't you order two entrees? So I got the the chili the the chile sandogada, which is it's like a poblano pepper filled with like chicken and nuts, mm. and it has like an almond cream reduction sauce on it. It was mm. delicious. It was one of my favorite things I ate this week. And they also just had like a huge hunk of cochinita bibio, which is like a slow roasted pork uh, like that they make in the Yucatan and just with pickled onions on it. Uh, it I was, haven't eaten yet today, so this is like just absolutely brutal right uh, now. It was like. very, very good. So that was that was my Tuesday meal. I went to Bacanora on Wednesday, which is like a such like a wood-fired Sonoran like steakhouse place. So they've got a bunch of different things. They have a wood-fired chicken and then a huge like tomahawk wood-fired steak that they serve with quesadillas and tortillas and uh, like stewed uh, serrano peppers and onions and uh, just really, really good beans. So I ate that and the chicken. And then they also had one of my favorite things I ate all weekend. It was a charred cabbage with like a chiltepine vinaigrette on it. Chiltepine is like a pepper that's native to the Southwest. And the vinaigrette was delicious. And it was just like a perfectly charred cabbage. I, charred cabbage is amazing. So I had that on Wednesday. It was really, really good. Thursday, you and I went to Valentine with a group which, of people. Which that was probably my favorite meal that I had. That's when we the best meal Phoenix. I've had in a while. That was a damn good one. So the that way was, that they describe it is just it's southwestern fare, like all right. So it's just kind said. of it's like southwestern tinged small plates. So yep. had, there was like a grilled chicken hearts with like a like a southwestern kind of salsa on it, like a like a salsa verde on it. Mm-hmm. Um, they had an elote pasta with like dried corn on it that was unbelievable. Very good. The the hamachi crudo that they had oh. was made. It was like a brown butter and tomatillo vinaigrette. Like sauce and the crudo, we got two of them because we wanted to eat more of it. So so that was incredible. That was they had uh, just like a mushroom. They called it mushrooms al pastor, but it was essentially like mushrooms and like a mole that was really really good. I mean, we we ate very well. I don't remember exactly what the ribs were. The ribs were fantastic. The ribs were fantastic. I also liked the salad that night. That's the salad I had seconds of because the salad was amazing too. They had a little gem salad. That was it. It was just a little gem salad. It came, we ate it. I was like, holy shit. That's when you know the rest of the meal is going to be good is when the salad is that good. So that was- It's got texture? Like what's going on here? That that was a phenomenal meal. I, I'm not to Robert's extent as a foodie, but like I do have a good experience of eating at some nice places and stuff. That one was that's an that's one I was memorable. That was a memorable meal. Was it I as always, memorable as the performance I put on ordering the meal? I, I got a great picture of you. Like I said, it just looks like Shaq going into the post. You did you 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 did the the kind of sleeve adjustment before you ordered. I didn't get that because I only took the pictures, not the video. So. It, you put on a performance, and then you finish without how you ate the, ate the meal, too. So you set it up and finish. So I thought that was really good. You punched yourself out there. And then we all went to Pizzeria Bianco on Friday. We had a big old sure group that well. went to Pizzeria Bianco. Uh, among all the things I did food-wise, how I pulled off getting the table at that place and the planning that went into it was probably the thing that I was most proud of. The constant updates on it. So we're going to go there. We're going to make sure. Because you had a backup plan. I had a backup plan. I had a backup reservation in case the wait was too long because they don't take reservations. 
I just let you cook, man. I just, I said, I went, like I said, I just feed you ball in the post and just watch you go to work. It's the torture chamber that you put these restaurants through. <laughs> I'm just out there. I'm just out there posted up waiting for the corner three, just in case. I'll just chop in and hit a couple shots. That's all I need to do at these meals. That's great. So the dinners were Barrio Cafe, Bacanora, yeah. Valentine, Pizzeria Bianco are the four places that we went to have dinner. So if you guys want the list, that's it. Uh, I would recommend every single one of them. So yeah, they were okay. all really, really good meals. It was a fantastic week of eating. I cannot wait to put nothing in my nothing but salad in my body for the next like seventy two hours after I get home. Next Super Bowl, we got Las Vegas. Which is, I know uh, it's going to be. I don't know I, if I'm going to make it. Oh man, I don't know. I might live here. I might have heard there's some good spots here. I don't know if people know Vegas might be a tourist place, and it might have some good food. Some well known chefs and restaurants here in the city. I don't even drink anymore, and I don't know if I'm going to make it through the Las Vegas Super Bowl week because of what the food offerings are going to look like. It's going to be so good. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. I, I live here, but I, I it's so much more fun when there's a ton of people you like to go to meals with that you get to enjoy them too, and also take you to spots that you might not go to. Because like you even teach you teach me spots I haven't even heard of here. That's that's what's great about Vegas, is because there's freaking 150 great restaurants that you can try out. You never get bored. Well, I already we booked need 20. My- we need 20 Super Bowls here. That's what we need. That's exactly what we need. Every other year should be the Super Bowl here. It should be on the rotation. It's going to be great. I booked my I booked meals for Indy. So I, I have dinners right. every single night. So we'll have to do that before we get to the Super Bowl. All right. That is all we got, guys. Thank you very, very much for joining us. We are going to be back with Lindsay Jones tomorrow oh. doing our biggest off-season questions. And then Nate and I are going to be back on Monday with a quarterback carousel show not slowing down. We're going to have a show every weekday on the feed for you all the way through the draft. So please continue to check that out. A reminder, if you have not listened to the first episode of Between the Lines, Deshaun Reed's narrative podcast series about the black experience in the NFL, really encourage you guys to go check that out. First episode, with kind of a wide-ranging history about race in the league from the league being integrated to the role that the AFL played in introducing black players to professional football in the NFL. Uh, Really good, succinct history of the Rooney Rule uh, and how it came about and then getting into Colin Kaepernick and his influence on the league activism in the NFL and kind of forwarding the conversation about race in the NFL. And that's just episode one. We're going to have perspectives from players, coaches, executives kind of coming in episodes, I think two through four. So really encourage you guys to go check it out. If you have not, it's going to be running every Tuesday on the athletic football show feed. That is where you can find it. And episode one is available. Now we're going to have prospects to pros every Wednesday through the draft ran earlier today dane andy and lance zerline talking about dane's top 100 so that should be available to you guys update big board as we speak it is draft season we are there now so if you have not been listening to prospects to pros now is absolutely the time to start and i believe football gm with mike sando and randy mueller will be back with you guys starting next week but we uh no shortage of football content coming your way on the athletic football show feed here over the next couple months so be on the lookout because uh We're coming your way. All right, guys, that's all we got. Really appreciate the time. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.